Well, we're going to continue in our series today on 1 John. I am like very excited because I just know the Lord's going to do something cool. And when I know the Lord's going to do something cool, that gets me excited. So if I talk really, really fast, just write really fast or remember really fast. So we're in the fourth week of our series on this book. It's been great. It's been encouraging. The Lord's been speaking. He's doing stuff. He's going to do something today too. And you can grab your Bible, turn it to 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. 1 John 2, 7. And while you're finding that, I'll just bring you up to speed in case you've forgotten where we've been or whatever. The big idea so far is this. God has a life for us. Somebody say, God has a life for me. God has a life for us, and that's the life we want to live. It's a good life. It's a life of joy, a life of peace. It's a life marked by relationship with God. Coincidentally, Jim talked about that too. But anyway, I digress. So that's the life we want to live. If God has a life for me, that's, that's what I want to get on track to live. i got to get onto God's program. That's where I want to go. And I want that for you guys too. And we've been exploring a few ways of how we sort of come into this life. And today... We're going to continue doing that. And I'll just tell you, this is a very simple message today. This is a very simple thing that the Lord is going to tell us to do. Very simple. But it's very profound. And if we get this piece wrong today, we just miss this, we miss out on a large part of this life that he has for us. It's a life of substance, right? And, and we miss out on a large part of that if we miss this. But if we get this right today, what the Lord is going to tell us in his word, this is like a big part of this life that we have in him. So this is a big deal. It's a big deal where we're at. And uh, so 1 John 2, 7. And yeah, like you see here, we're going to talk first about the new old commandment. So verse 7 says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, if you look at that word, again, commandment is in there. And if you were here last week, you remember we talked about commandments then too. And what we said last week is, as believers, one of the ways that we can tell we're on track uh, on you know, walking this path that God has for us, one of the ways we can tell for sure we're on the right track is when we obey his commands. And no, we don't do it perfectly, but generally speaking, that's our heart, our desire is to obey the Lord. Here's commandments again. Here's that same language. So that word is important. When we see commandments and God is giving us commandments, let our heart be, okay, I gotta take this seriously. I gotta walk in light of this. I gotta get in line with this. Because God's commands are not just these secondary little things we can just brush off. They're important. Now, he says it's an old commandment. He says it's nothing new. We've had it from the beginning. It's old. Now, some people, some scholars, when they see, when it says you've had it from the beginning, they say that means right from the very beginning, like the Old Testament, when we first got the very first bits of the Bible, it's old, it's from then. And we see this commandment you know, in, in those parts of Scripture. Other people say, no, when it says uh, the, it's we've had from the beginning, that means from our beginning of our life in Christ, right? Like it didn't show up until, you know, Christ did what he did, and now we have this. You know what? Either way, it's old. It's old, and we have it. It doesn't, it's old, so it's all good. And it says that it's the word that you have heard. Now, that means if we already know it, if we already have it, well, that means we don't have to learn something new. How many of you guys get a little stressed out when you got to learn something new? 
I think some of you are lying. That is okay. Do you know what? Do you know what? This is what I got this week. Roll up the rim. Okay? How many of you have gotten to roll up the rim? How many of you have noticed it's a little different this year? Okay? Now, I won't speak for anybody else, but I happen to know someone who's sitting over there who works at Tim Hortons. She has said people are freaking out about the roll-up. They're freaking out. They're furious because it's change. It's something new. We don't always do well with something new. Like maybe, maybe you at your job have a new system that's just been put in, and now you've got to learn the new system, and you're stressed out because you need to know the new system if you're going to function at your job, or else you might not have a job to function at. And it seems like you just learned the old system. Am I talking to anybody today? And now there's a new system, and it's very, very stressful. Well, the good news is we don't have that here. This commandment is something we've already got. We already know it. We already have it. Now, how convenient is that? If we already know it, that means we can put it into practice immediately. That means we don't have to take a crash course on something. We don't have to, like, wait for Amazon to ship us something. We can do it right now. So that's helpful today. Now, at the same time, verse 8, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you. So there's a little bit of a paradox there, right? It's an old command, but it's a new command. And I would just encourage you, don't let that trip you up. If the new old thing trips you up, here's, here's a way I can make it make sense for you. We do the new old thing all the time. We buy secondhand things, right? How many of you are into yard sales? Some of you, I think, are still lying to me, but that's okay. <laughs> I know that some of you guys are into yard sales, and here we are, like, I don't know, six weeks from now, I know some of you are going to take a perfectly good part of a good Saturday, and you're going to drive around, you're going to pull into somebody's driveway, and you're going to buy their old junk, is what you're going to do. Maybe you'll get some non-junk, but either way, yard sale items, or Kijiji, that's literally the whole point of Kijiji, okay, so we understand this. We can have something that's new to us, but it's not new. It's not just been created. It's, it's out of the box already. It's been used, but it's new to us. Is that good? You, you with me here? Okay. So that's what we have here. It's a new commandment, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Let's talk about that for a minute. When it says it's true in him, that's talking about Jesus. So Whatever this commandment is, and we will talk about it, we will get to the command, whatever this commandment is, it, it has its origin. It can be verified to be true somehow in the person and work of Jesus. So here's the deal. Here's how I would explain this. We are all sinners. We have all sinned, rebelled, walked away from, turned our back on, gone against God. Every single one of us have done this. And as we've talked about, our sin separates us from God. That's a problem. Because not only does that mean we can't fully live the lives he's created us to live and, and, and plan for us, that means that we're subjected to death. The wage of sin is death. We're on track for condemnation and shame and, and hell and death is where we're at. In and of ourselves, and, and, and we, can't, we can't just drive ourselves back onto the right road. We go off into the ditch of sin and it's a deep ditch and you're not coming out of there on your own. But Jesus died to pay for our sin. All that darkness in our lives, in everybody's lives, Jesus died to pay for that. He also rose. How many of you know that that's good news today? Jesus rose, and in his resurrection from death, he proved that he is greater. He proved that he has the final word over sin. Though sin is great, he is greater. He has the authority over darkness. He wins is what we're saying. 
And when Jesus rose from the grave, he dealt a crushing blow to the kingdom of darkness. For a while there, it seemed like darkness is running rampant. It might, it might win. Jesus is dead. Oh, my word. Jesus totally went for the jugular when he rose from the grave. And now there's still lots of darkness in the world now. True or false? Still lots of darkness. But... Even though the battle is raging on around us, Jesus, through his resurrection, he's already decided the outcome of the war. The war has already been decided, and one day it will ultimately be won. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to put an end once and for all to sin and to, and to all of the wickedness and all this stuff. So that's happening right now. And it says here that the true light is already shining. We talked about how the darkness is passing away. Jesus is going to win. The true light is already shining. Well, Jesus is the light of the world, and he's alive, and he's doing well, and he's ruling, and he's reigning. So that's good news for us. So, so whatever this commandment is, it's got something to do with Jesus. It's got something to do with his death and his resurrection and his victory. So we, we, we just remember that as we move forward. It's also true in us. See there, it's true in him and in you. Whatever the commandment is, it can be seen and verified in us too. And we'll talk about how in a minute. I'm going to tell you just in a second what the command is. But before I do, let me just sum up. Because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has a life for us, he's now going to speak. And we're going to align ourselves to it. So in all of that, here comes the command. Are you ready? Write this down if you've got a note thing today. The command is to love one another. Love one another. Now we've talked in recent weeks about our love for Jesus, right? That's where, that's, I mean, we all need to go there. We all need to be growing in our walk, in our faith, in our love for Jesus. Great, awesome, for sure. That's, I mean, that's just there. We've been there the last three weeks. And, and, and as we're doing that, though, what you inevitably find is when you start walking with Jesus and when you start being filled with the love of Christ, it leads to love for others. So I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, okay, if I look at my life, do I love Jesus? If you love Jesus, that's great. But if you don't love other people, you're missing something. And conversely is true as well. If you love other people but you don't love Jesus, you're missing something. Jesus has a, a both and for us. This life he has for us is highly involving both a love for God and a love for other people. So we need to have both of those things if we're really gonna be in his will because love for God leads to love for others. This is an old commandment. Like it says there, it's old. Jesus actually referenced in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. And by the way, when he said this, like he was referencing something that had been hundreds of years ago said, so it's old, he said the most important command is to love God and love others. Remember when he said that? So it's been around. It's an old command. It's also a new command though. Well, how can it be old and how can it be new? Well, it's because as Christians, we're able to express this command differently because of what Jesus has done. I'll give you an analogy. I'll give you just... I used to drive an old car. Well, I still drive an old car, actually. But I drove a different old car. And in my old car, there was a cigarette lighter. I assume newer cars have cigarette lighters. Can someone verify? They don't. Wow. Okay. I'm learning something. Anyway, 
cigarette lighter, if you can remember what those were in an old car, I never had much use for it. I don't smoke. It just sat there. But it was there in the car the whole time. It didn't get added later. Like when the car was built, there's a cigarette lighter. Well, after a while, I got myself a cable, a cord that plugs one end into the cigarette lighter and the other into an iPod. And this is like the old school iPod. So now with that cable and with that setup, I could hit play on my iPod. That was before texting and driving was illegal too. This is a while ago. Um, I could hit play on my iPod and it would come through my car stereo and I could listen to stuff from my iPod. Now, again, the cigarette lighter was always there, but I was now able to experience it and use it and, and um, have it in kind of a new way that I never could before. Well, it's a little bit similar to what God is talking about here. We can love people in our own strength before we're Christians. We can love people, but it's only ever going to be so good, right? If you're like me, probably on your own strength, you have a little bit of a shorter fuse, and like as soon as someone starts to annoy you, that'll be the end of the love. Thank you very much. That's it. But in Christ, when we walk with Jesus, here's how it works. You start uh, growing in your relationship with Christ and obeying Christ and just walking with him, all that. Well, what starts to happen is not only do you grow to love him more and more, his love starts to well up inside of you. His love starts to characterize you and define you. And he just keeps pouring it in and you just keep filling and filling with his love. And I say this with a wink. It's like Jesus doesn't know when to stop pouring and it just keeps coming and coming. And what happens is when you grow in the love of Christ, it starts to spill out and overflow from you onto others. That's how that works. And this love that Christ fills us with, again, it's way more potent than some love we can just conjure up on our own. So that's how it's verified to be true in us because when we start walking with Jesus, that love comes forth from us, from Jesus through us onto others and people can see it and verify it to be true. Are you with me still? We good here? Okay, so what this is saying so far then is if we really want to live this life and I want to live this life and I want you to live this life, it's partly, in fact, a big part is played out not only by our love for God but by our love for others. So how are we doing with that today? Are we showing that? Are we growing in that? Now, our text is going to continue, and we're going to first look at what happens when we don't line ourselves up with the word of the Lord in this way. So look at verse 9. Whoever says he is in the light, they say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I love God. I'm in. I'm good. I go to church. Praise his name. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the light darkness. See how black and white that is? He's in darkness. If you say that you're a Christian, but you hate your brother, you are in darkness. And by hate, I mean, I think we all kind of know what that is. We're talking about actively just being against somebody. We're talking about conspiring against someone, doing harm to them, not acting in their best interest. It's, it's a wide umbrella, but hate, you know, is all of those things and, and more. Now, as Christians, I mean, we're not to be characterized by hating anybody. We, we're to hate certain things, like we hate sin, we hate it when wicked things happen, for sure, we hate that stuff. But like scripture shows us clearly, we're to love other people, okay? This though is saying something a little bit more specific in verse nine. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, that is language for another believer, 
If you hate another Christian as a Christian, you are in darkness. If you say you're a Christian, you're walking with Jesus, but you hate another Christian, you got to hate on for somebody, you aren't walking with Jesus. That's what it tells us. Like if you ever get to the point where that's happening in your life, you didn't get there because you're walking so closely with the Lord and he led you there. No, it's you let go of his hand and you veered away from him and that's how you got there. Very, very black and white here. And look at verse 11. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. To walk, that, that characterizes the way that you live in an ongoing way. And he does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So that's a problem, right? When you're in a dark room, how many of you are scared of the dark? Just confession time. Not many of you. I don't know if you guys are telling me the truth today or not. I don't know. But I trust you. Okay. Okay. Just a sidebar. I'm not scared of the dark, but there are some rooms that I'm very scared to be in when they're dark. The Nick Nicole Center gym, respect intended, that place is very scary in the dark. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll edit that part out. That doesn't matter. Um, the problem, like if you're afraid of the dark, okay, being in darkness is in a dark room is a problem. But the problem extends beyond that. If you're in a pitch dark room and you're trying to like move around or go somewhere or get out, part of your problem is you can't see where you're going. And therefore, you're very likely to like run into something. We've probably all got stories, right? Or you step on a Lego or something. Or you could like fall down the stairs or whatever it is. Listen now. When you are walking in the darkness, you leave yourself open and vulnerable to other things happening. That's important. We, when we walk in darkness in this way, we leave ourselves open to potentially other things, other sins happening in our lives. For instance, like again, being in the dark is bad enough, but when you hate somebody and you're just in that place of darkness, again, it it's, it's when you walk in darkness, that's defining like your pattern of behavior, your life, like you're, you're deceived, you're living a lie, okay? And when you're in that state, things like bitterness can crop up. I think that's probably hitting a little close to home for some of us because I've been there. Um, you leave yourself open to unforgiveness taking hold. And that's a problem because God tells us to forgive others as we've been forgiven. And when you withhold that forgiveness, well, now you're bringing more sin upon yourself, like you're suffering. When you hate a brother or sister and you're walking in the darkness of that, you leave yourself open to things like you wish harm on them or you might like even plot revenge against them. We're never to take revenge, God says. We leave it to the Lord. We trust in him with that. We never take revenge. So when we do that, like we are sinning. Here's my point. We suffer. Someone did something to you and you just want to, you know, whatever, throw them a haymaker, make them suffer. Listen, you are suffering when you do this. We are prevented from living. We are walking in the darkness. We are deceiving ourselves all from hating someone else of the faith. Somebody say, that's large. And by way of a little bit of a personal testimony, like I said, I can verify that that's 100% true in my own life. I, years ago, uh, there was someone else who was and still is a believer who I kind of did this to. They had wronged me. I felt that they had wronged me pretty substantially. And God, don't you know how they wronged me? Like, shouldn't I be able to pour out my wrath on them? And I started really going in this direction. I had a hate on for this person. I did not have their best interest in mind. 
I never like plotted my revenge, but I was bitter for sure. I was unforgiving for sure. And that affected me. Never mind what they did to me. Like it actually genuinely affected me. And it went on for way longer than it should have. It took way more space in my life than it should have. I grew to be kind of cynical in that time because I, I was bitter. That's what happens. I, I kind of lost a certain zest for life. And you guys, I think, no, like I'm kind of bubbly most of the time. I was kind of out of that for a while. I suffered because I was hating someone else of the faith. Now, as I say that, I can stand here today um, very thankful to the Lord because you know what? Over time, it's, it's by his grace, it's nothing I did. He started to do a work in me and change me. And I actually, when I consider that person, you know what? God has allowed me to forgive that person completely. God has caused actually things to turn around really nicely. I have a, a relationship with this person now. I actually like them. I did not like them for a while. God has totally done a work there. And when I think about this, it's completely in the rear view. And you know what? That's our God. That's what he does. God can change that. So if you are in that kind of a situation in your life, don't stay there. Look, it's, yes, maybe someone did something terribly wrong to you. We're not excusing that. God knows about that. But you are keeping the ball in your court when you choose to do this. And it's not a good decision. It's gonna prevent you from living the life that God has for you. It's gonna harm you. Again, you don't just forget what they did. Maybe you don't just give them immediate total access to your life. Maybe like it takes a while for the trust to be built up, but don't continue to hate. Don't continue to walk or act in hate or harbor that in you because it's gonna cause you to suffer. So if you really want to live, I'm just telling you, and the word of God is telling us, you gotta give that to Jesus. And if you sit here and think, oh, I don't hate anybody in the church, Maybe you're like not out in the parking lot getting in a fight with them, but like this is pretty prevalent in some ways. And we're gonna look at the opposite of this now. Um, we're gonna talk about whoever loves his brother. We talked about whoever hates his brother. Look at verse 10. This is a good verse, I'm just telling you. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. We choose the better path when we choose to love. And I have to emphasize the word choice because listen to me, love is more than a feeling, people. And I think we know that here, but it's sometimes harder to get it here, right? Love is much more than a feeling. And when we equate love to a feeling, we say, oh, when I have the warm fuzzies for you, I love you. And when I lose the warm fuzzies, I don't love you anymore. Please show yourself out. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the problem. Our feelings are a terrible guide. They're an even worse God because our feelings are rarely sure of anything. And when we put our feelings in the driver's seat, when you put your feelings first, you're, you're going like this. You're all over. I don't care like how stable you think you are. You're like this. And, and that obviously isn't what the Lord wants for us. Love is more than a feeling. Write this down. Love is an intentional choice to desire and do good for somebody else. Love is an intentional choice to desire and do good for somebody else. It's not a feeling. It's not something you just feel. It's something we choose and we show as well. Something else about hate now, or love I should say, it's more than just the absence of hate. <clears throat> I don't want you to think, 
oh, I don't hate that person. I therefore must love them. I never talk to them. I never do anything with them. But I mean, I don't hate them, must love them. No, love is not just the absence of hate. It's the presence of something good. It's not just I happen to not, you know, hold a grudge against you. I'm actively involved in some way in your life showing you that I love you. That's what is going on here. Now, this says, whoever loves his brother, again, brother, someone in the faith, abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. I love, love, love the last part of that verse. We said a few minutes ago, when we choose to hate, we open ourselves up to potential other things happening. You remember? This is saying the exact opposite. This is saying when we choose to love, it actually safeguards us against certain sins. For Just by default, even the ones I said earlier, when you choose to love, automatically you're not being bitter against someone else. So you're safeguarded. When you choose to love, you won't withhold forgiveness. You're going to keep yourself from that sin. You're not going to be wishing harm on them. You're not going to be plotting your revenge on a little spreadsheet or whatever you do. This safeguards against us from any number of things happening. That's what the word of the Lord is telling me today. And the last thing you see in here is that word abides again. Remember, we, we got to that word for the first time last week in this book. It's in the book of 1 John, abiding, abides, abide, 23 times in five chapters. You know what that means? It's important. It's important. That word abiding is all about getting with, staying with, walking with, remaining with Jesus. That is... Like that's the word, if I could sum up what this life is all about, it's that word abiding, abiding with Christ. That's where this life is found. And whoever loves his brother abides in the light, a.k.a. you're on track to living. You're living this life. That's a big part of it. So that's living. Now, that's our text. That was uh, four or five verses. It's a simple point. Now here's what I want to talk about. This is where the Lord is going to do something really cool, I think. I want to talk about our response. Because when we hear the word of the Lord, we want to respond to it, right? We don't want to just be hearers of the word only. We want to be doers of the word. Our response, how we're going to love each other in this season. Like, we're going to take the word of the Lord seriously. We got to do something. We got to love each other. Okay, see that? What phrase did I tell you to commit to memory earlier? Somebody tell me. Be in each other's lives. Jim must have looked at my sermon notes. I don't know. That's what we're going to do. Like there's, there's any number of ways, this commandment, it's a commandment to love one another, any number of ways that's expressed. And what the Lord is laying on our hearts in this season is that. Be in each other's lives. Now, if you will allow me to, I'm going to take off my preaching hat for a second, and I'm going to put on my sociology hat, okay? When we look around, COVID, no, we don't want to talk about COVID, but it's, it's actually been a year. It was one year ago today that we did not have church for the first time because of COVID, and uh, I said to somebody yesterday, I think, I said, we, f we foolishly said, like many others, don't worry, boys, we'll be back by Easter. <laughs> we meant Easter this year. <laughs> okay, so COVID, you guys know how it is. When COVID first started, what the message was that we're getting is stay home, like don't go out. It was stay the blazes home. You remember that? Stay the blazes home. 
Don't go out if you don't need to. Definitely, like, don't get with people. Don't, like, hang out in a big group. Stay away, distance. And listen, while they never said ever that you can't call somebody, you can't video chat them, you can't, you know, yell at them from across the room, here's kind of the thing. We start to do that because we want to, you know, follow the rules and all that. That's good. Well, what happens is that mentality of I got I to gotta stay away, I got to make myself scarce, I got to distance, I got to pull back. It's really easy for that to start creeping in even further than sort of what is intended, right? Like I'll speak only for myself. It was very easy at the start of COVID and, and we're fighting this kind of trend. Very easy at the start of COVID. Great, I won't go out. I'll sit at my desk in my house. I'll work from eight to four. Because what else can you do? And it's very easy to like, like you had to really work at it. Oh, I should call that person. I should text them, see how they're doing. It becomes really easy to, to get away from this in COVID and I get it. But here's the interesting thing. We can't fully do that. We can't fully get into the word of the Lord and do what it says if that's our attitude, if we're pulling back, making ourselves scarce. You know how easy, how easy is it? And don't answer this, but like, Oh, haven't been to church for a while. Well, you know, it's, there's people there, you know, and how easy it is to just kind of slip off. And over time, we end up doing this. So we actually have a super, super cool opportunity right now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my preaching hat back on. I actually, I actually said this at an elders meeting the other night. I said, if you kind of look at what's going on, we're at a fork in the road right now. I said, we have had COVID for a year. We've been fighting that urge to just pull back and it's easy. You gotta fight, you know, you gotta fight against that and we're doing the best we can, you know, to get together like this and do other things and whatever. But I said, it's been, it's been a tough season, right? Winter was tough. We were in red. We've been in orange for most of it. This week we are in Yellow. This is the first Sunday we're in yellow. New opportunity right here. It's also, somebody pointed out to me this morning, a week from now, it'll be the spring. Anybody glad for that? Okay. I'm, I'm good either way. But it's gonna be spring. Now, not to make too much of this, but spring is kind of a season of new opportunities, new beginning. Things are starting to blossom. Things are starting to open up a little bit. So we're at a fork in the road right now. God is putting an opportunity right in front of us. And for the next like couple of weeks, I said to the guys the other night, we have a really good opportunity to make a statement of, you know what? Yeah, we're still gonna follow the rules, be wise with COVID, all that. But I said, if we don't intentionally do something to get into each other's lives, if we just sort of say come what may and we still whatever, we will miss an opportunity. But I said, if we can really intentionally engage with one another and do this, that is a good statement to make at the beginning of yellow, at the beginning of spring, and that can fuel us as we go forward as a church. So here's what we're gonna do. I guess on the high level, we're gonna keep meeting together. We're gonna keep doing this. Here's my ask. Please keep coming to this. Sunday mornings, please keep coming. We don't wanna give up the habit of meeting together like it says in Hebrews 10, 20 something, four. Don't give up the habit of meeting. Don't make yourself scarce. I understand if you're not feeling well, you gotta stay home for sure. But where at all possible, keep showing up. Keep doing this. Keep engaging with your church family because the Lord does something special when we're all together doing this, worshiping him. So please keep coming. 
We're also going to, I'm going to go short on this today. I'm going to give some details in the next little bit, couple of weeks. We're going to start doing something uh, during the spring and beyond where we're going to try to meet every few weeks on a night through the week. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to hang out. You guys like hanging out? Okay, good. It's going to look like different things. We might hang out. We might do like a men's and a women's group. We might have a barbecue in the parking lot. We might watch some video teaching. We might go serve in the community. But we're going to intentionally, because you got to fight for this, guys. You don't do anything. You drift along. We miss this. we got to fight for it. So we're going to make time and we're going to make space to be in each other's lives. And again, like I said, to love someone else is an intentional action. It's an intentional do something. It's not just, oh yeah, I sit over this side of the church and you sit over there and we get, you know, we tolerate each other. Like if we're gonna love each other, it's gonna require this to some degree. So that's what we're doing. Um, here's what I wanna say to you. If you hear that and you say, we're gonna ramp up our being together, you might say, I'm really busy. Braden. I'm really busy. I don't like the sound of that. That sounds like another commitment on the calendar, too busy. And I understand that you've got commitments and you've got obligations and you've got priorities and you've got to honor those for sure. Let me just remind you though, you also have a commitment to your church family. So you might not like me saying this, but if you're really busy and you think, ah, too busy, you might have to get unbusy. <laughs> right? You might have to get unbusy. You might have to shift some things around a little bit because this is the word of the Lord that we love one another and if we're gonna do it, we want to be in each other's lives. Again, we'll give you more details on that stuff. Here's, here's the, I know I'm going on and on. This is a weird ending, but it's, it's all good. Some of us have known each other for a long time. A long time. I am certainly not uh, one of the longest time people in our church, but I've known some of you guys for almost 30 years. Some of you. Some of you have known each other longer than that. That's all we'll say on that. We won't put a number to it. I don't want you to be tempted to think, I already know these people. I've already hung out with these people. I already had a relationship with them. Ah, don't need to engage. Listen to me, there's more. There's more. Not only are there people here we haven't known as long, even if I've known you or you've known someone else for a while, there is more. There is more ground to be taken in our relationships with one another, in our things that we do to show one another the love of Christ. There is more. So I don't care if you've been here since 1965. There's more. More. Someone has been here since 1965, but won't name names. Okay, okay. So we gotta get back into each other's lives. Listen to me. We gotta break the cycle of, and I love you guys. You guys have been doing great. You're coming to stuff. It's awesome. But I'm saying we're putting a stake in the ground and to the best of our ability and by the grace that God gives us, we're gonna be in each other's lives and we're gonna show each other the love of Christ. And yes, we have a desire to show the love of Christ to the outside community as well. But if we're gonna get it right out there, we gotta get it right in here first. Yes. So... God is calling us back today to the importance of fellowship, just simply being in each other's lives, having a relationship, enjoying one another, serving one another. And as we start to go deeper in relationship, again, that looks like so many things. We're gonna show grace to each other. We're gonna speak truth to each other. We're gonna pray for one another. We're gonna serve each other. We're gonna bear one another's burdens and so much more. 
There's a whole world to be explored and to come into in this. If we're going to line ourselves up with, with God's will and get onto his program, we need to love one another if we're going to make the most of this life that God has for us. And he's calling us back to it. Are we good here? Is that, have I gone on long enough? Okay. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us, and then you will receive further instruction about what we're going to do. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for it's just a very simple, simple message today, but it's so profound. God, thank you for putting this clearly in front of us. Thank you for clearly making known your will in this regard that we are to love each other. God, let us be a people. Let us be a church, the Harbor Church in 2021 and beyond. Let us be a people who get this right. Not because we're so great, but Lord, because we're depending on you for grace and we have a desire to be in your will and get on your program. Help us to get this right. Help us, God, certainly not to hate each other, but not just also exist in some neutral ground. I'm praying, God, in this season for opportunities to come up that we can be in each other's lives and choose to show each other the love of Christ. I'm praying, God, against slipping backwards in COVID that will make it more difficult for us to do this. I'm praying, God, we stay in yellow for an extended period of time. I pray that it's going to go right from yellow to green whenever that happens, God. I am praying that this would be something by your grace, by your strength, that this is something that our church would do exceedingly well. And God, I thank you for what is already going on in our church in this regard. I thank you that there are people that are loving each other and living this out. Praise you for that, Lord. Let it increase in this season. Let it be more. Let it be so, God. Let us come into your will in this way and grow in this way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.